0: Heavenly Father, thank You for a new year. Thank You, Lord, for some new hopes and dreams. And God, thank You for a place where we can come to grow and to be encouraged and to be strengthened here at Coast. God, You've given the church to us as a gift The Christian church is given to to all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we might grow up together in the faith, that we might be a family of God. And I pray, Lord, that in this coming year, we would be bound together as a family, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, united by our common faith in Him, and that as a family, Lord, that You would show us how You want to stretch us, how You want to grow us, how You want to admonish us, Lord. We want to be clay in Your hands this coming year. We are Your family, Lord. We thank You for being our Heavenly Father. Guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this, this week uh, I had the uh, unique opportunity to, to give counsel to uh, a brother in the Lord. And uh, we, were, we were discussing some things in his life and uh, some paths that he could take and some options that he could take, really, that were before him. Some different paths that, that he could have gone one direction or the other direction. And sure enough, as we're discussing and in confirming that, that this one path is the best path to take, the phone rings. His phone rings. And he picks up the phone, and sure enough, it was immediate confirmation that the path that we were to take, that we were, to, that we were encouraging him to go on together, was exactly the path the Lord wanted him to take. The phone call came at just the same moment that he had decided to pursue a specific course of action. And it confirmed to us and to him that the Lord was with him. And yet still, what remains uh, for this individual is to walk that path. I mean, it was a sign of God. It was really kind of a miracle right in our midst where God confirmed... What He wanted him to do. And yet, it remains to be seen. What will this individual do? Will he walk down that path in confirmation of what the Lord has said? Or will he veer off? Will he remain steady and walk the narrow way? Or will he fall off the path despite the sign of God? The title of my message today is... Signs are no substitute for steadiness. Signs are no substitute for steadiness. And you're, we're going to see what I mean by that. We're going to open up our Bibles uh, to a story of King Saul. Open up your Bibles to First Samuel chapter 9. First Samuel chapter nine, we're going to be in verse 27 and on into chapter 10. First Samuel, Chapter 9, verse 27, again, the title, Signs Are No Substitute for Steadiness. What's going on in 1 Samuel 9? Well, Israel is demanding a king. She's a relatively new nation. She's only been in the land a few hundred years. And there's been a variety of judges Uh, of lesser counselors, if you will, that have been ruling and reigning over Israel. But it's come to the point where the people have lost confidence in their judges, in their governors, uh, uh, sort of, uh, so to speak. And they're demanding a king. And this is about the time of 1050 B.C. And as Israel's demanding a king, a prophet of Israel named Samuel, he warns the people and he says, now wait a minute. If you want a king, you need to know what you're in store for. You need to know what's in store for you. And he says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, if you read all of chapter 8, he says, look, this king, he's going to bring in a lot of hardship. There's going to be a lot of trials. He's going to take a lot of your fields and a lot of your male and female servants and he's going to rule and reign with with an iron fist. And yet the people still cried out to God and cried out to Samuel, their prophet, and said, we still want a king. We still want a king. So God gave them the desire of their heart. And as this was taking place, uh, Samuel was in the town of Ramah, his hometown. And a man named Saul was making his way through the towns of Israel. Saul was looking for uh, some lost donkeys, of all things. (coughs) Lost donkeys of his uh, father's uh, farm. And he was going through the towns of Israel trying to find these lost donkeys. And he came across the town of Ramah, where Samuel was, just about five miles north of Jerusalem. And in the town of Ramah, the Lord told Samuel that Saul was to become king of Israel. And so, when Samuel saw Saul coming to him, looking for the lost donkeys, Samuel brought him in, they dined together, and the next morning they met together. And we pick up the story in chapter 9, verse 27 of 1 Samuel. Here's how it reads. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city of Ramah, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while, that I may announce to you the word of God. And Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head. And he kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Here we have Samuel receiving direct revelation from God that Saul was to be king. And so he rightly told Saul, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the word of God here. I'm going to declare to you the word of God. And he sends the servant ahead. So it's just the two of them. And. He anoints, he takes a flask of oil and he anoints Saul's head with oil, anointing him as the king of Israel. Oil was used, as many of you know, to symbolize consecration, to symbolize holiness, and to symbolize to be set apart for God for a special task. And Saul was being consecrated to be the commander over God's inheritance, that is to say the king of Israel. Saul was to be given a sacred trust. But you know, this was hardly a coronation ceremony. If you think about it, it was just the two of them. The the, the servant had gone on ahead, and it was just Samuel and Saul on the outskirts of town, no one around. And here Samuel is pouring oil on Saul's head and says, you're king now. Saul must have been thinking, well, uh, that's great that you you did that, Samuel and all, but uh, nobody saw that you know nobody around here knows I'm supposed to be king you know we're just two guys on the outskirts of town here how do i know that what you say is true how how do i know that i'm to be king well to remove all doubt samuel told Saul that there would be three signs that he would see as he left that very place in ramah three signs that would confirm in Saul's mind that he was in fact the new king of Israel. We read of the first sign in verse 2 of chapter 10. Take a look. It says Samuel speaking here. He says, "When you have departed from me, Saul, today, when you've departed from me today, you'll find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found." And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Okay, this is the first sign, right? Samuel turns to Saul, and Saul's thinking, you know, how, do, how do I know that I'm king? No one's seen this ceremony. No one's seen this anointing. And Samuel turns to him and says, okay, when you leave this place, you're going to head south. And as you head south to Zelzah on the way to Bethlehem, at Rachel's tomb, you're going to meet two men, and these men are going to look at you and say, Hey, Saul, we found your donkeys. Alright, sounds good. So Saul, off he goes. He, he leaves Samuel. He walks. He starts heading south from Ramah, down on the road toward Bethlehem to a little village called Zelzah. And as he passes through the town, he, he, he's expecting to see... These two men who are going to declare to him that the donkeys have been found. But before he goes, Samuel's going to give him two more signs. Look at verse 3. Samuel continues. Before, before Saul left, he says, Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. And there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three young goats. Another carrying three loaves of bread. And another carrying a skin of wine, and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. Alright? So next Samuel turns to Saul and says, Okay, after you go south towards Zelzah, I want you to head back north on the way uh, to Tabor, and I want you to come across three men. You're going to come across three men. Uh, each of them uh, carrying uh, different things all the way up, going up to Bethel to worship the Lord. Now, I need to stop here because I was, was doing some extra study on this portion of Scripture here in verses 3 and 4. And I, I, I can't prove this, but I think it's probably the case that one of these guys uh, really lost a bad game of rock, paper, scissors. Um, because think about it. I mean, think about it. Rock, paper, scissors, right? Okay, here, the, the, the three guys that are going on the road, you know, one, two, three. Yes, all right. I'll, I'll carry the wine. All right, all right. And the next two guys, you know, one, two, three. All right, all right. Hey, I'll carry the bread. And the last guy, uh, I'll carry the three young goats. I, are you reading that? Look at your Bibles here. What was he carrying? Three young goats? Will, could you carry three young goats? I, I don't know how he did this. I mean, he must have just had these goats all over the place, right? Walking up and down the road. You've got to wonder, like, did the goats have a bad leg or something? I mean, what's going on here? But anyhow, I digress. Three goats, three loaves, a skin of wine. One guy had a bad day playing rock, paper, scissors. And Samuel says, you're going to meet these three guys. And they're going to look at you and they're going to greet you. You're a stranger to them, but they're going to greet you. And they're going to give you two loaves of bread. Now, why is that significant? Well, you see, it's likely that these men were taking the wine, the bread, and the goats to Bethel, meaning house of God in Hebrew, the place where, at that time, in ancient Israel, that was the place where the people went to worship and give sacrifice to God. Those three men were on the road to take sacrifice to God. And they were carrying their sacrifice. And so for them to give two loaves of bread to Saul was like giving a portion of their sacrifice to someone that they deemed worthy of it a king. It was no small thing that these men were going to give Saul a portion of that sacrifice. And so Saul heard that, heard this sign that was about to come ahead of him, and he thought, surely that can't be. But that wasn't all. Sign one, you're going to go down to Zelzah, and you're going to hear that your donkeys have been found. Sign two, you're going to head north to Tabor, and you're going to meet three guys who are going to give you a portion of their sacrifice. Sign three, look at verse 5. And after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you've come there to the city that you'll meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they'll be prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Saul, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Next, Samuel says to Saul, now I want you to turn west. Go back to your hometown of Gibeah, also known as the hill of God. And as you enter that city, you're going to meet a group of prophets coming down from Bethel who've just returned from worshiping and sacrificing to God. And as they walk down the hill, you're going to hear them prophesying. And as you listen to them, The Spirit of God is going to come upon you and you will prophesy and you will be a changed man. Saul had never prophesied a day in his life. His father was a man of wealth. Saul was tall and handsome and strong, but he was no priest. He was no prophet. And yet Samuel gives him this third sign. He says, the Lord's going to come upon you and you will prophesy and you will speak the mighty things of God. Sign one, you're going to head south, Saul, and you're going to hear that your donkeys have been found. Sign two, you're going to head north, and you're going to meet three men who are going to give you a portion of their sacrifice. Sign three, you're going to head west, and as you go back home to Gibeah, you're going to meet prophets coming down the road, and you're going to prophesy for the very first time with them. Samuel concludes in verse 7. He writes, And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. When these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. My friend... uh, who received confirmation with a phone call of the path that he is to take. When these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands. He's now got a path to take. It remains to be seen whether he'll take that path. Skip over verse 8 for just a moment. Look at verse 9. So it was, when he had turned his back, to go from Samuel, that God gave Saul another heart. And all those signs, all those signs, came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the, Lord, then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this? that has come upon the son of Kish, is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb or a riddle. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. That is, he went up to Bethel to worship. happened just as Samuel said it would. All the signs. It's New Year's Day. And uh, we would all like to know what's in store for us, right? It's 2012. Uh, the Mayans tell us it's the end of the world. <laughs> uh, hey, believe what you will. It's a new year. There's new dreams. There's new hopes, new opportunities, new challenges. And every single one of us are wondering, Why, what's in store for me this year? You have a lot of questions rolling around in your head, as I do. Questions like, Will I get a job? Will I keep my job? Will I get a raise? Will my health improve this year? What about my marriage? Will it get better? Will it get worse? Will I be a a, a better wife? A better mom? Will I be a better husband? A better dad? Or to the unmarried, will I find my spouse? Will my children be safe this year? Will I stay connected with them as they grow older? Will I kick that bad habit? Can I overcome this sin? Will I grow or will I regress? Lots of questions, right? Lots of questions. And it would be so nice, it would be so satisfying, I think, for some of us to have the answers ahead of time. right? To to, to know the playbook. To kind of... uh, you know, read the cliff notes of the book, and okay, I know what's going to happen next. It'd be nice to have all the answers. And so, you know, for many of us, you know, we, we, we want the answers. And so we hold out our hands, and we look up to God, and we say, God, just give me a sign. Just give me a sign. Give me the answers. Make the phone ring at just the right moment. Give me a miracle. Just one miracle, Lord. One sign that will confirm it to me. Imagine, imagine if God treated you and I the same way He treated Saul. Imagine if He spoke to you out loud each day and said, well, uh, you know, today, Neil, I want you to take a walk. I want you to head south and on your way you're going to find a lost puppy. And uh, you're going to pick up the puppy, you're going to meet the owner, he's going to thank you profusely, you're going to have a 30 minute conversation, then you're going to go to In-N-Out Burger. Wouldn't it be interesting to have direction like that? I mean, it's kind of creepy, but it's also kind of cool, huh? To know, okay, Lord, which way do you want me to turn? Right. Okay. Left. Imagine living like that. That's what Saul had. (laughs) Samuel said, go south. Go north, go west, meet this person, talk to this person, get this item. Could you imagine what life would be like if God gave you prophetic insight into what would happen each day and all of it came true? Imagine if He directly showed you what to do every moment. You would think, you would think, you would think that that would engender such great confidence and awe. You would think that we would look at God and think, oh my goodness, you are so real. You show me where to go. You show me what to do. You tell me who to talk to. You would think that it would instill in us such great faith that we would never veer from God again. That we would never stray from God again if He would just speak to us from heaven and tell us what to do, right? Saul, three signs. Direct signs. In fact, that's not all. There was a fourth sign. I I, I skipped it. Look at verse 8. A fourth sign. Samuel tells Saul, he says, And you shall go down before Me to Gilgal, To the east, okay? And surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifice of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you should do. Sure enough, this sign happened too. After leading Israel to victory against the Ammonite armies. Uh, The Ammonite armies were to the north. And after leading them to victory, after leading Saul and his armies to victory against the Ammonites, this is what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 11. Samuel said to the people in verse 14, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifice of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Another sign. Another confirmation. Again and again and again. Go here. Go there. Do this. Do that. Great signs. And Gilgal was a very, very special place. I want to show you a map of Gilgal. Take a look. That's a really bad map, isn't it? Don't, you can't rely on Google Images. I type in, uh, you know, map of Gilgal, and this is what I got. Next one, sorry. The real map of Gilgal, alright? There it is. Alright, there's Gilgal. Just, see, it's just northeast of Jerusalem. It's right above the Dead Sea. And at the very top there, that's the Sea of Galilee. So you kind of know your boundary markers here. Gilgal was all the way to the eastern, the eastern side of Israel. It was all the way on the border. And this was a special town. You know why it was a special town? Does anyone know why this was a special town to Samuel and to Saul and to all the Israelites? Anybody? Tough Bible question. Uh, we're tentative out there. Gilgal was the place... Tom Constable writes, this is what he says, Gilgal near Jericho was the Israelites' first camp after they entered the Promised Land. That site would have stimulated the people's remembrance of God's faithfulness to them and His plans for them as a united nation. Gilgal was the first place over which the Israelites crossed over. Now, why is this graphic significant now? Anybody notice the stones? Twelve stones. What river did they come from? The River Jordan. Twelve stones. In Judges chapter 4 and 5, when the people crossed over, they crossed over a dry Jordan, and Joshua told them, grab 12 stones. We're taking them to Gilgal, and we're setting them up as a monument to God in remembrance of what He has done for us, His faithfulness to us. So there you go. That graphic does come in handy, even though it's about the worst map of Gilgal you can find. When Samuel said to Saul, we're going to Gilgal, that was a special place. And you would think, hey, Saul's got to be all ears here. Sign 1, confirmed. Sign 2, confirmed. Sign 3, confirmed. Sign 4, confirmed. Saul is all ears. And it said back in chapter 10, verse 8, Samuel said, when I come, I will show you what you should do. I'll give you more instructions. And so you would think that Saul was all ears. But as the story of Saul unfolds, in time he stopped listening to the signs of God. Miraculous signs, as many as they were, were no substitute for the steadiness, the steady trust that God wanted to see in Saul. Signs are no substitute for steadiness, for walking the path. As Samuel wrote, to do as the occasion demands. Signs are no substitute for that. When you see the sign, you've got to walk the path. And it wasn't a short time later after this moment in 1 Samuel 11, that Saul transgressed the Lord. And you see, Israel, at that, later on in 1 Samuel, they were in the heat of battle again. And they were fighting another tribe called the Philistines. We know them well. And Samuel had given Saul the exact same instructions. The exact same instructions. He said, go to Gilgal, wait seven days, I'll show up and I'll tell you what to do. But while Saul was waiting for Samuel to come, his countrymen, his army, they became fearful and discouraged. We pick up the story in 1 Samuel 13, beginning in verse 6. Samuel says, uh, Samuel writes, uh, 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 giving the chronological history, he says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks and holes and in pits. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, Saul did, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. There's chaos in the camp. There's confusion. The Philistines are coming. Saul's at Gilgal, waiting seven days. Where's Samuel? The people are hiding. And then Saul did what was forbidden him. He, a king took upon himself a priestly duty of offering a sacrifice to God. Verse 9. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And then he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished, presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came that same day, the seventh day. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And Samuel said to Saul, You've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which He commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, now, your kingdom shall not continue. Saul, a king, had done what only a priest could do. Transgressing the law of Israel. And he did it at Gilgal. It was at Gilgal that Saul's kingship was confirmed and celebrated. And it was at Gilgal that that same kingdom was taken away from Saul. And to think, he had every sign given to him. He was receiving direct revelation from God through Samuel for his daily activities. God was speaking right to Saul. He was giving him sign after sign, and still Saul disobeyed. What question, what question is God asking, uh, what question are you asking of God today? What question? You're starting a new year. Think about it. What's one thing that you would like answered from God? One thing. Maybe about a job, maybe about a relationship. Something in the future that lies ahead of you? What's one question that you have for God right now? We as humans, we naturally want answers to the biggest questions of our lives. And we think, we think in our minds, if only, if only I could know the answer ahead of time, then, then Lord, I would be ready to meet the challenge. If only I could receive knowledge ahead of time of what path you wanted me to take then lord then i'll be ready to prepare myself for anything that comes my way samuel says don't fool yourself don't fool yourself signs sometimes they're more than they're cracked up to be 1 corinthians 1:22 and 20 to 24 For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jew a stumbling block, to the Greek foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Sometimes we'll seek a sign, and we'll think that all we need is confirmation through a sign. And then the Bible reminds us, even if there were a sign from heaven, it takes a steadiness. It takes steadiness to stay on that path. A sign is no guarantee that you will obey. A sign from God is no guarantee that you'll be up for the challenge. He could tell you what's happening tomorrow. And if you don't stay focused on Jesus Christ, You'll fall off the path. For Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, we preach Christ crucified. Christ the power of God. Christ the wisdom of God. The Bible says you stay focused on Jesus. Come what may in 2012. You stay focused on Jesus. He's our life. He's our guide. He's our hope. I know we have many questions. I have many questions this year. Of what's going to happen. And it might be nice for me to know some of those answers. But better still is the one who is ready with any answer from God. Who is ready for any answer. Who doesn't need to know ahead of time whether it's yes or no. Whether it's right or left. Because whatever the answer is, that person is ready to walk that path with Jesus. Amen? Whatever the path is. You don't need to know the answer. Whether the answer is good or bad. You walk that path. You go through that that hardship just as much as you go through that joy. And you do it with a focus on Jesus Christ. Signs are no substitute for steadiness. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and he will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green he will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit this is the man this is the woman who says whatever comes I'll be steady I'll have my eyes steadfast on Jesus Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. No matter what you face this year, good or bad, don't worry about the answer. Worry about your steadiness. Be steady with Jesus. Walk the path wherever it takes you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this time together. I thank You, Lord, for um, a story A good story from the Bible that reminds us, Lord, that even a miraculous sign can sometimes do us no good. But that we must be people of diligence. People of deep and earnest faith. Committed, Lord, to honoring You, to following You, no matter what happens no matter where You take us, whether our marriage goes down the tubes or whether it's the best year of our marriage yet, no matter if our kids uh, suffer in school or whether they have their best year yet, no matter if our jobs are waiting for us or whether we lose it, God, that we would be steadfast people reliant on You, focused on You, and not on signs, steadfast on Jesus. We know that the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But Lord, we we want to seek Jesus Christ, Him crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. May He be our focus in this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.